Hey everyone, and welcome to the Uncaped Crusaders Review. Me and Ian had this podcast a couple of years ago on YouTube as a video in video form. We had a handful of episodes there. You could still check us out there if you wanted to. But now we're going to revamp it after a couple of years in audio form, in traditional podcast form. So we're about to, we're going to get our first one recorded um, later this week, and it'll be up sometime either later this week or next week. But right now I wanted to take our favorite episode from the original one, kind of reformat it, and then release it in audio podcast form. So that's what this is, and then we'll have a uh, an actual one of our new Uncape Crusaders review, if you will. Uh, we'll have one coming up in, w- next week. But anyway, here it is. This is uh, where me and Ian review our top five Batman the Animated Series episodes. Hey everyone, I'm Mark. I'm Ian. And this is the Uncaped Crusaders review. This time we're not going to be doing a Batman movie. We're actually going to be going to the 1990s uh, television show, Batman the Animated Series, and we're going to be discussing slash reviewing um, our top five episodes. I have my top five, Ian has his top five, so uh, this will be interesting. It, it, it's fun It's fun to go back and and watch these. I know I've been watching a lot recently, even before this, I've been going back and oh, watching yeah. several, um, so it's it's always fun to do, because it's, I, I think it's by far, like, one of the best TV shows ever made. Not, not not one of the best superhero, not one of the best animated, one of the best TV shows that's ever been made. Oh, yeah, to me, it's, it's what I think of when I think of Batman. That is, like, quintessential, and even despite the fact that it is a kid's show, you know, but still, it, to me, it captures, like, the tone, my idea of Batman. I mean, obviously, it, you know, it can kind of be you know, related to the fact that it's what I grew up with and so maybe, you know, just my childhood memory of seeing that Batman has kind of molded what my idea of Batman is now. But even going back and watching it, you know, a couple weeks ago, I'm like, yep, this is what I think of when I think of Batman. Yeah, I mean, it is... It is Batman. You have Kevin Conroy doing the voice of Batman, who is the voice of Batman, which we talked about a little bit on our last episode about Killing Joe. Right. And then you have this amazing voice talents for every character even even some of the lesser characters it's just fantastic oh you yeah, like yeah the, people, I mean, you have the quintessential just commissioner gordon voice the quintessential harvey bullock voice uh, uh just oh, yeah. you know obviously the obviously mark hamill as the joker you know of you have michael and sarah as mr freeze just all these just classic voices that are just fantastic um, yeah and yeah the the voice casting was, is superb. The animation is beautiful. The look of the characters, yeah. Like, you you know that there was so much effort put into that. Um, I mean, everything about it. The, the backgrounds, like the early episodes, how all the backgrounds were done on black paper, which had never been done before. That's why some of the early yeah. episodes, like on leather wing, wings and stuff, are just so dark. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it broke ground, not just with, like, superheroes and stuff, but um, with animated shows as well, because oh, yeah. it, it upped the ante for what was kind of allowed in animated shows. Like this is a kid show, you know. It, it was, you know, it's made for kids, cartoons, but it was so serious. Uh, yeah. It was so it was brutal sometimes. It was way more violent than most uh, cartoons were. It was one. It, I don't know if it was the first, but it was definitely one of the first to ever have guns at all. 
in it. Um, yeah, I forget. There was some uh, controversy about back in the day. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like a, you're dealing with adult themes. You're dealing with some pretty terrifying uh, characters and episodes. Even you know, seeing them now, there are a couple moments where, like, God, like you forget it's the kid show. But yeah, it just it it raised the bar and actually made you know, kids. It proved that kid shows could be taken seriously, and that kind of you know, broke that gap between the point where adults and kids could both, you know, enjoy watching it. You know, it wasn't like as soon as the kid turned it on, the, the parents were like, oh, God. You know, even they were like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it bridged the gap between adults and kids, and it just, it merged this world that just meshed perfectly. Just this perfect combination of serious and something like that, but also with still being a cartoon, you know, and oh, yeah. something kids can enjoy. Um Unfortunately, I didn't, I, I, you know, I wasn't even born when it first started. Uh, it started mm-hmm. in 1993. Um, it might have started in 1992. It's 92 or 93. 92. Two. It started in 92. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's two years before I was even born. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it started on the back of uh, uh, Batman Returns, the Batman Returns mm-hmm. movie. And, um, yeah, it... it you know, so I didn't obviously I didn't watch it when it first came out, and even later on, growing up, I didn't watch it a bunch. There wasn't a whole lot of reruns of it. I remember watching it occasionally, but when I was growing up, the big things were I, I watched Spider-Man the animated series all the time. Oh, yeah. I was watching Power Rangers, um, and I was watching the Justice League, which was oh, yeah. on currently when um, I was a kid. So I was watching those more than Batman animated series. That's something I kind of rediscovered a little bit later. Um, probably, yeah. I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, I kind of really started uh, understanding the Batman animated series. Um, anyway, but yeah, it, it, and, you know, so this is us basically picking our top five, and it's, it, it, was, it, was, it was a challenge, because I'd yeah. say that just about every episode's good, at least good. There's a couple that aren't good, but, I mean, even the ones that aren't as good are still good. It's one of those yeah. things. Like, it's just, yeah. it's fantastic. So, um, picking a top five was pretty difficult. It's a bunch of good episodes, but uh, I was able to do it easier than I thought. Um, but yeah. still, I filled, like, you know, two or three different, like, notes with uh, with episodes that I all liked. I just went through, like, all my boxes, all my box sets, and just looking at all the episodes, remembering them, and then writing them down, the ones that I really, you know, really liked, and... But I was able to get a, a get five down, and then I ended up just picking my next five too, just because they were all written down already. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I have my top five, and I don't know how was it for you coming up with five. I mean, same thing you said. I mean, yeah, I mean, like going back through through all them, you know, you constantly, you know, for me, uh, remember ones I kind of forgot about or forgot how much I liked, and then of course going back and rewatching them. You know, remembering why I like these episodes so much, or why they kind of remained in my memory uh, so frequently. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was at the end of the day. It was, you know, it's not a hard task. You know, come up with five episodes that you love. I mean, yes, yeah, for this show, it's pretty easy. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess uh, start with you with your number five. All right. So for my number five, I picked the uh, the trial. Which was, um, mm-hmm. of course, uh, kind of. You'll notice a lot of my episodes are kind of like two different kinds of episodes, either like the big kind of like group, um, kind of like having all the villains, all the rogue gallery come together episodes, or like the really personal Batman 
struggle episodes. Uh, so this, of course, is one that you know all the villains are there. Maybe the most villains in one episode. I think it is. Um, the, I think it does yeah. have the most villains. Yeah, and it's just great, again, seeing all these kind of, when I think of these villains, you know, just any regard or any context, I usually, you know, picture how they look in the series. So, of course, seeing them all together is awesome. But, of course, we have kind of the new district attorney who's going after Batman. And they, early on in the episode, they talk about the introduction of the idea that, you know, the city Gotham should be without Batman. And this is the whole point of the DA. is kind of going on that argument of how relevant is Batman is he hurting Batman or is Batman hurting Gotham kind of holding him back creating these villains you know allowing them to kind of you know pr- you know spawn from this environment that he's created but basically so they they kidnap the one district attorney and then they of course um, lure Batman in to put Batman on trial basically uh, and it's actually a lot funnier than you would expect uh, of course you have the the Joker which is always good to see him. And, uh, yeah, he's, of course, the source of much of a comedic relief. Right. Uh, and there are a few moments that still have me laughing out loud, uh, which is, again, from a kid's show in the 90s, it's like, okay, you know, if you go back and watch certain shows, you're like, okay, it's not as funny as I remember when I was a kid. But even this one, I'm, you know, the, there are moments I'm still laughing. But, uh, it, yeah, this is an episode I loved. Uh, I'm curious what you think of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good episode. That, that's the one out of my... I don't have that in my top five. I have that in my top ten, though. Um, and that is mm-hmm. one that I did kind of forget about until I was going through Yeah, yeah, I did. saw that one on there. I was like, oh, yeah. Because my favorite part of that is the ending. The ending of that episode is amazing. When they've yeah. gone through this whole joke of a trial, the Joker's the judge, which is just perfect. Oh, yeah. You know, Harvey Dent's the prosecutor, which is just perfect. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at the end, the jury, uh, with the Mad Hatter representing the jury... Said, you know, finds Batman not guilty. He's like, no, you know, this this is ridiculous. We all were dumb, and you know, we're all criminals. We're you know, we're we're all, you know, bad guys. We're gonna do this anyway. It has nothing to do with yeah, Batman. Batman. We're not gonna give Batman sense. the credit for all the stuff we've done. And then right. he's like, but we're not gonna let you go because we're bad guys. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that that was just perfect. It was so good. Yeah. Like like the amount of thought that was put into that. It's such great writing, um, which is another oh, thing yeah. that's great about this show. And it, it's just so well written, just that whole um, idea and stuff. And I don't know, I really, I do really enjoy that episode. There's another, uh, there's one moment in the episode that had me laughing. It was when uh, the, you know, the district attorney is like trying to actually make some sense of the case. And uh, you know, they're calling the different villains, those witnesses on the stand. And of course, Harley Quinn is the witness, and like district attorney is all mad. It's like. You know, objection. Clearly, this witness is in cohorts with a judge and just hardly laying in Joker's lap. I object to this witness. She's obviously trying to influence the judge. What makes you say that? Never mind. I was like, that was perfect. And it's another, it's actually another, um, really good example of the relationship between Harley Quinn and, um, Joker's, because, like, a. Someone, you know, drops the, the fact that uh, the Joker gave up Harley in order to reduce the sentence. Of course, she freaks out on him and is trying to kill him. is assaulting him and they drag him away. Just like, I'm going to rip your face off. And then cut to literally the next scene where it's the Joker and Harley. You know, he's patting her on the head and she's back to loving him. And it's like, it just shows how chaotic and, you know, sporadic their relationship is. But yeah, I, the whole episode I thought was great. And, and yeah, and the ending, the ending was great. And the ending, you know, kind of furthers the point that, yeah, I mean, like, with all these criminals, you know, that's why they need Batman, is because Batman is the only one who can 
go up against these people. And even the district attorney is like, you know, I, I'm still going to try to work toward a Gotham that d- doesn't need Batman. And Batman is like, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Right. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely a strong episode for sure. It's a good choice. Huh? All right. Um, All right. My top five is actually a two-part that I just put together, um, and it's the Two-Face <laughs> story. Ah. Um, but, uh, both part one and part two. It, it's just fantastic because – they set so up good. Harvey Dent so well because he's in like at least two or three episodes prior to this. Yeah. And so he's already established as the DA. And then I love how the whole first episode is basically his like internal struggle with this other personality that he's created. And then the second episode is him as Two-Face, like starting his whole criminal reign and everything. Mm-hmm. But they keep that like tragic villain type thing. But Two-Face is one of my favorite villains. Um, yeah. I mean, my, my three favorite villains, uh, uh, you know, in Batman are Joker, Two-Face, and Mad Hatter. Those are my three favorite Batman villains. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love the Two-Face character I always have. I love the thing with just the whole, with the coin, um, making decisions for him. But yeah, this episode is great. He's basically the DA, but he's constantly struggling with this, like, inner anger that he has. Bipolarism, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. um, you see him, it, like, flash out a couple of times. First at, like, uh, the raid, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the criminals, starts laughing at him, kicks, kicks mud at him. Um, and then Rupert Thorne is trying to get him out of the way because, you know, Harvey Dent's doing a great job at eradicating crime. Um, right. Basically uh, stalks him with one of his accomplices, and then she finds out that he's struggling from this. And they, and then um, basically he then is going to threaten to expose this, which could really mm-hmm. hurt his uh, campaign. Yeah, um, elected official, yeah. Right. And so it's all, all makes sense. And then he goes to basically confront him and, you know, at this chemical plant or whatever, which there's a lot of chemical plants in Gotham apparently um, that aren't really being used for any particular reason except for villains. <laughs> yeah. um, no, they're, they're always abandoned. <laughs> right. But uh, anyway, and then has another episode where he snaps and, uh, you know, is chasing Thorne and Batman's there too, trying to stop him. And he basically gets caught in an explosion that blows off like half of his face. A little bit different from the comics. It's not, you know, it's not him being, having acid thrown on him in the courtroom. Um, But, you know, it's fine. You know, I I don't mind. And so then basically he's in the hospital and the doctors are saying that, you know, there's going to be scars and everything. And then when he finally sees his face, he, like, kind of fully kind of snaps. And it, oh, yeah. it sends him completely over the edge to that, you know, big bad harp is what they call it, his other kind of personality. And uh, so that, that scene of the first episode, and then the second episode just picks up, like, I think six months later or something, with him already as Two-Face, and he's been hitting all of Rupert Thorne's, um, like, fronts, all of them that have to do mm-hmm. with the number two. That's where we get to see that for the first time, his obsession with the number two and dichotomy of uh, good and evil and stuff. And uh, that's one of that's one of the things I think is so good about this episode. Aside from the story and all this stuff, it's just the subtle things that they constantly have yeah. in this. Like whenever there's anything good, it's always the good side of his face that's being shown. And oh, yeah. vice versa, whenever it's evil, it's always the other side of his face. Um, in his room, in the room, in his hideout, it's the you know split, and there's the light side with all the stuff, and the dark side with everything, and then um, there's constantly things, and whenever it has any dark undertone, you always see him in the dark like shadow, 
and if there's any like lighter undertones, like him with his fiance or something, it's always in the lighter side. Basically, Rupert Thorne now, now Harvey is even more of a problem than he was before. So basically, he sends that same girl, his accomplice, to uh, basically trick Two Face's fiance, and uh, they're dressed as cops, and um, saying that if he shows up again to, you know, press this like tracker, so that they can find him and help him. So then, you know, Two Face eventually does come, or, or calls her and says her to meet him and sends a car for her and stuff. And uh, they go back to his hideout, and then um, Rupert Thorne and his gang tracks him there. And then, uh, you know, they start fighting, and Batman shows up too to to help. And and uh, at one point, Rupert Thorne's down, and kind of everyone else is down. And Two Face sees like you see him look at the gun. And the gun is in the dark side of the room. Which yeah. It just it, things like that are constant throughout the entire episode, and there's so much thought put into these little moments, and it's just yeah, it's actual just directing in the anime, yeah. And uh, you know, it's him still with that, but it actually ends with a positive note with him being you know arrested by Batman, but um, with like a kind of hopeful thing with the fiance thing, which is never mentioned again after this episode. It's you know he's just two faced now. Um, but yeah, this is just such yeah. a great episode. It's such a great character arc. Um, it's so well-directed, well-animated. Um, and I, I just really enjoy it with uh, this episode about a character that I really like. So um, yeah. I don't know your thoughts about it. Well, I, I, I could go on about mine, but actually this episode pops up later in my countdown, so I'll probably just okay. save my thoughts to, to them. Perfect. That All works. right. All right, yeah, so that's my five. So four? Great choice. Fourth for me is I Am The Night, which um, okay. is like the other theme I talked about where this episode is kind of like small in, t- in terms of scale. Not a whole lot happens. Uh, this is a very personal, you know, conflict-driven episode for, for Bruce Wayne, you know, and Batman. And that's why I like it. Um, so basically in this episode, you know, um, uh, there's a big raid going on um, between uh, Gordon, the police, and this kind of like you know, lesser-known criminal uh, to, you know, go in and, you know, raid the building and take him out. Uh, but meanwhile, it's the anniversary of Bruce Wayne's parents' death. So, of course, every year he goes to the alley with um, Dr. Tompkins, which I always love that character. Uh, really humanizes Bruce and stuff like that. Kind of shows his, his vulnerability and, you know, kind of this human side like Alfred. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, they're, they're doing this while all this is all going down. And so... Bruce has to rush his Batman to jump in and save the day. Um, and of course, when everything goes down, uh, Jim Gordon is severely wounded and ends up in the hospital. And of course, you know, Batman feels completely responsible. And you get that great scene in the episode where he goes back to the Batcave and he's he's pissed off. He's he's angry at himself and just, you know, wrecks pretty much the whole Batcave because he's so mad uh, and conflicted. And so basically the whole episode is him contemplating, like, you know, is him being Batman even worth it if it means putting, you know, at danger all the people he cares about. Jim Gordon being one, he mentions, you know, Alfred, of course, and then we get, you know, little appearances by Dick Grayson, Barbara, the whole thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, really the episode ends with, you know, him, of course, saving Jim Gordon when uh, Jazz has come back, assassinate him in the hospital, and just realizing that, you know, that despite all this, he needs to be Batman in order to protect the people he cares about. So, yeah, I mean, it just again, it's a simple episode, but uh, yeah, that's what I love about it. Yeah, that's a that's definitely one of the more personal 
and kind of more internal yeah. um, episodes of the whole series. Very serious, very, very much Batman contemplating his kind of own crusade and his own kind of worth. Yeah, but yeah, that's a solid pick. Uh, it's, yeah, that's a good episode. All right, all right. My, uh, my, my fourth episode is... Uh, all right, t- two of the episodes I have on here are literally on there just because the Joker makes me laugh. Um, and two different episodes I have on here. This is one of those. This is uh, The Man Who Killed Batman. Um, oh, yeah. And it is just, it's just one of the funniest episodes. The whole episode's good. Um, it's basically about this little nobody uh, called Sydney um, mm-hmm. who's trying to, like, you know, he's completely clumsy, idiot, moron type guy. And he's trying to, like, make his way in, the like, the rackets. Like, yeah, he's you know, an everyday guy. And so he has, like a, like, a cousin or something that, like, lets him, like, come in to, like, be, like, a lookout um, and kind of be, like, a patsy just in case Batman shows up. And uh, Batman sees him, shows up. And then him and just he's just so clumsy that he just is constantly, you know, messing stuff up. Like while Batman's just kind of trying to stop him, you know, he's like tripping and falling into Batman. And then like all the people who are, you know, the other gang members are like looking up at the, looking up at like the shadow on the building. They're like, oh man, Sid's taking on the Batman <laughs> while he's like falling into him. And you know, he's like getting caught on like the antenna and like swinging around, like hitting Batman. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like stuff like that. <laughs> and, and basically just walks off the side of the building being scared. So, Bat, you know, and he's hanging off the side and Batman's like trying to like stop him. And he's reaching down like, you know, so he can pull him up. And then he's just freaking out and climbing all over Batman and basically pulls him off the building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Batman is like being kind of pulled off the building and, and then the ledge breaks. So then Batman basically falls in and then to this propane tank, which then explodes. And then, you know, Sidney's left, like, holding Batman's cape and cowl. Mm-hmm. And he comes down to, like, the rest of the gang. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. He came at me, and he just went over the side. And then they're like, you know what this means? Sid just off the Batman. You know, and then he becomes, like, this big, you know, shot that he always wanted to be. So now he's the guy who killed Batman. And Batman, you know, hasn't shown up or anything. And... And then he basically just keeps getting in trouble because, uh, uh, you know, they're all at, like, this bar, I guess, like, all celebrating him. And then this, you know, big, huge arm wrestler is like, oh, well, this is the guy who killed, ba- or, you know, who killed Batman. If I take him down, then I'm now the toughest guy in Gotham. <laughs> and also, so then this giant riot just starts, and then they're all thrown in jail. And then uh, while they're in the jail just sitting there, kind of like a drunk tank type thing, um... Basically, that's when you uh, see uh, Montoya and uh, Harvey Bullock. Basically, Harvey Bullock's bringing, like, the news that Batman's been, you know, Batman's dead. Um, That's not, like, you know, that news is kind of going around now. Then, like, while he's just sitting there, you see, you know, Harley Quinn show up as, like, his his lawyer with his paid his bail and stuff like that. And, uh... He's like, well, you know, who would bet, want to bail me out and all this stuff? And then she puts on all this makeup and then turns back and it's Harley Quinn. He's like, well, I know you. You work for <gasps> the Joker. And just that little gasp is great because he's, you know, that's the Joker. It's like, you work for <gasps> the Joker. You know, and this, so he's like, you know, and he gets brought to Joker's, uh, you know, lair at this chemical plant again. Um, another chemical of plant. <clears throat> of course. <laughs> And uh, 
you know, Joker's, like, acting all happy with him, and then he uh, doesn't believe Batman's actually dead, so to, to prove it, he goes to pull a job, and he's breaking into a drawer just flat out, like, in the middle of the night, just smashing everything, alarms are going off, <laughs> the police just show up, and he's just sitting there waiting, and he's like, and then, and like, time passes, and he just goes, he's never, you know, he's never been this late before, like, what's going on? And then he's like, I guess he's really gone. And he starts to get sad. And then you see, like, Harley Quinn, like, walking through wearing all the jewelry. And she's like, oh, look at all the pretties. And he's just like, put them back, Harley. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And then he's like, put them back. And then he's like, there's no point to this. So he doesn't even take anything. He just leave. This whole thing was just to see if Batman showed up. Yeah, so he's, he does that. And then basically he's going to now have a funeral for Batman. And so you have this, like... You know, the cape and cowl that he got from Sydney, and he puts it in a coffin and then tapes a kick me sign on it. And he's like sitting there, like crying, and then he like gets up to like this podium and then does like this whole speech. It's, it's just fantastic. Um, it's one of the best Joker moments of the entire series, it's just that oh, little yeah. eulogy that he gives. It is, it's the funniest thing, and it. I love it. And I remember I was listening to a uh, a podcast with Mark Hamill talking about doing Batman, and he he actually mentions that as one of his favorite uh, scenes, oh. scenes of him just giving a eulogy because he's just like, "Dear friends, today is the day the clown cried, and he cries not for the passing of one man, but for the death of a dream, the dream that he would someday taste the ultimate victory over his hated enemy." For it was the Batman who made me the happy soul I am today. How I agonized over the perfect way to thank him for that. Perhaps with a cyanide pie to the face. Or an exploding whoopee cushion playfully planted in the Batmobile. But those dreams were dashed by the weaselly little gunsel sitting there in our midst. The cowardly, insignificant goth who probably got lucky when Batman slipped in a slime trail this loser left behind him. This mound of diseased hyena flesh who's not fit to lick the dirt from my spats. But I digress. The time for sorrow has passed. It's time to look ahead to a future filled with smiles. And I'll be smiling again just as soon as we take that man there and slap him in that box there and roll him into that vat of acid there. <laughs> and that this whole speech is just perfect. It is just great. Really? It just fully encompasses the Joker's relationship with Batman. It's like right yeah. there. Um, and yeah, the then, only uh, villain actually cries and sad when his adversary is gone. Because it's true. Like That is his ultimate dream, is the perfect way... To get rid of Batman. And in yeah. the meantime, having fun with Batman being there. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and then, so, they, they put Sidney in the in the box and lock it. And then they start rolling it very slowly into this vat of acid. <laughs> and the whole time, Harley Quinn is playing Amazing Grace on the kazoo. Which is just perfect. And the Joker's sitting there, just, and you see just tears going down his face. He's just sitting there like this. <laughs> And then uh, he goes in, and then the coffin sinks. And then you just see Joker sitting there and go, Well, that 
that was fun. Who's the Chinese? <laughs> just like just like that, and it's just the end. And it's just like that is the Joker. Even after this whole thing and his uh, dreams yeah. were dashed, he's still just like, oh, oh, he's fine now. And uh, anyway, so that and then basically, Sydney then goes to Rupert Thorne after this and is trying basically for help to get out of the. He wants to get out of the city because he's like, all these people are after me. Um, and then that's where then Batman shows up and he actually, you know, got away from the blast and has been following Sydney this whole time, try, trying to figure out who was ahead of that drug operation at the beginning, which ended up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously was Rupert Thorne. And so uh, then he still ends up arresting uh, Sydney, but now Sydney is seen as a hero again because he almost killed Batman. He made a fool out of the Joker, thinking Batman was gone, and uh, then made a fool of Rupert Thorne, leading Batman to him. But it's just that that little, those like two scenes with the Joker are the whole reason why this is like one of my favorites. Is there anything you want to talk about uh, with the man who killed Batman? Oh, I mean, everything you said. I mean, like, it's a great episode, a great Joker episode. Um, I love the idea that, you know, the very, very real possibility that Batman could just be killed by nobody. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, you know, just a, a theme or an element that you don't really think of in the episode. You're like, oh, wow, actually kind of is kind of dark or sad in some ways. That, like, in all reality, this could actually happen where he just has a bad night and he dies. And then someone, you know, it doesn't have to be the Joker or Two-Face who finally kills Batman. It could be anybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the, the, of course, all the scenes of the Joker are great. And, again, like, seeing the Joker actually sad that his... The man who's nothing but you know a, a hassle and a and an obstacle for him is also the thing that like he loves most in the world, right. even more than Harley. Right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and seeing him give a eulogy, but then right after you know he thinks he kills Sydney. Oh, what's next? You know, right. is is the Joker in a nutshell? But anyway, so top three for my number three, I'm gonna go with uh, almost got him. Yeah. Um, again, another episode where you're seeing a big you know. Um, I don't know, a uh, big grouping of, of iconic villains together. And, of course, in this one is kind of comedic because they're just in a bar playing poker together. Right. And uh, it's kind of like one of the more unserious moments where, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, doing whatever, robbing banks, you know, they all just gather for a game of poker. And, uh, you know, all they, they all che- they're all cheating, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joker is pulling out cards. <laughs> and, uh, right. Um, but, yeah, so they're all gathered together. It's... Um, Joker, Penguin, uh, Two Face, Killer Croc, and then of course uh, Poison Ivy shows up. And you know, uh, apparently they just kind of meet on the regular, which is a funny idea. You know, the fact that these people who should probably be killing each other for various lines of work and you know trying to cheat each other, or are just sitting down and playing poker together. Um, and then all of a sudden they start talking about how each of them, you know, was this close to finally getting the Batman, either killing him or bringing him in. Most of the time, killing him. And so you get like these little flashbacks with each character that kind of show like their their ultimate moment of almost killing the Batman, but of course in the end they never do. Um, but I thought you know each story and scenario is very iconic to each character. Um, of course, this is the episode where we get the uh, where they pay homage and we see the giant penny make an appearance, and now and now that's kind of where mo- most people know it from. Is kind of like this episode, um, and of course you know just seeing the background. But anyway. So yes, yeah, so all their, all their, uh, all their. I love all their, you know, of course the banter of the Joker, all the, you know, hilarious lines. You know, like uh, I think like the Penguin is using all these like high, you know, vocabulary words. It's like smaller words for Croc, of course. <laughs> you just see him sitting uh, there, it's like, oh. 
<laughs> or, or, or the best moment is when they, you know, it's Killer Croc's uh, turn to talk. <laughs> and, like, you know, all of them have these elaborate scenarios of trying to, you know, kill the, the Batman in overcomplicated ways. And it's like, and I try to hit him with a rock. And then they all look at each other. And Poison Ivy's like, all right, what about you, Two-Face? And they just like, and they ignore him completely. Um, He's just like, it was a big rock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I love like, the banter between Har- uh, Poison Ivy and uh, Two-Face, like, at the oh, beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. She's like, half of me wants to strangle you. And she's just like, what does the other half want? To hit you with a truck. <laughs> yeah. And then she just <laughs> turns to the rest of them and goes, we used to date. And then they're just like, oh. <laughs> or, like, or like, when she very, like, very first time she sees him, she's like, Harley, you're looking halfway decent. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, that's pretty much the most of the episode. Of course, the final story is the Joker's, of course, and talks about how he almost basically electrocutes Batman in the in a laughter chair, which is great, but then, you know, Catwoman saves him. Uh, but then they have Catwoman, and it turns out um, that Killer Croc is actually Batman. Of course, don't really explain it, kind of how he's disguised. Well, well, one, it's a cartoon, but yeah. two, he's not Killer Croc the whole time. Yeah, there's a moment when like Killer Croc gets knocked like back. Yeah, from the table, poison ivy. Yeah, and that's that's when I think the switch happens. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, still great. So basically, the whole time Batman was impersonating yeah. for most of the time to figure out where they where they had Catwoman. You know, of course, because of course he loves Catwoman, and of course he you know, ends with um him saving Catwoman. Yeah, you know, that iconic shot of them almost kissing. Um, but yeah, I just, it was a great episode, kind of like a, kind of like one of those episodes that a lot of TV shows have where, like, you know, they either do like a, a look back at other episodes. This is kind of like that where kind of you're looking back at, you know, all the, all the great, you know, scenes and episodes between these characters. Uh, so I like episodes like that. Yeah, and I, I also love that shot of when they figure out that Batman or that Killer Croc oh, like, is not that. And there's that swinging light, and when it yeah. like swings in, you just see the Batman silhouette, and then it's back to Killer Croc, and it's like, oh, that looks awesome. And then like they all like go to kill him, and then it's like a stakeout, <laughs> and all the everyone in there's cops. Yeah, yeah. And it's like yeah, it shows how smart Batman is, you know, and just how how much he plans ahead, and like you know, is in control. Yeah, I mean, it's a great scene where he's like, no, no, pretty much I was you know in charge all the whole time. Uh, but yeah. That's my number three. I am going to do a disclaimer with this one that I should have done at the beginning. My top five is not most people's top five. It it, it does not include some of the quote-unquote best episodes, like Ian's. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of yours, um, most people yeah. would agree. Although my number one episodes. will be unexpected. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, All right. Mine's very unexpected, unexpected too. But um, So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people might freak out. Like, oh, you don't have Almost Got Him in your top you know, five or, you know. Some of these heart of ice, yeah, you know, or you don't have heart of ice in your top five and stuff of that that are generally thought of as the best episodes. But this isn't necessarily the best episodes. These are our top, yeah, five it's episodes. our favorite. Yeah. All right, so my number three is a um, beware the gray ghost, and it is amazing just for the fact that oh, yeah. Adam West is brought in to do the voice of the gray ghost, and he's yeah. basically playing Adam West because he's 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 an actor who's out of who played the gray ghost back in the day. And then is completely pretty much out of work and can't find another job because everyone just sees him as the Grey Ghost, which is very, exactly what happened yeah. to Adam West when he played Batman. Very, very meta episode, yeah. And I just love that. Um, and I, I love when he's brought mm. back. And just that, that character is just so perfect. Because uh, basically Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne as a kid, watched 
you know, the show, the TV show, The Grey Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a big fan of that. And I just, I love that we got to, see, we get to see that. Because you don't get to see too much with Bruce Wayne as a kid. Because it's just, you know, it's just, at least especially in this show, it's not really talked about too much. Um, and I just, I love that. You get to see him. They show, like, clips of him as a little kid, uh, you know, watching the Grey Ghost on TV and being a big fan of this. And you're like, man, Batman was a big fan of, like, something like Batman as a kid, too. It's just, it's a, it's a yeah. really strong connecting point, I feel like, um, with that character. Yeah, basically, there's all these um, explosions that are happening around the city um, with uh, ransom notes asking for a million dollars or he's going to keep blowing up, and it's the guy calling himself the Mad Bomber. Um, and so nobody can figure out how he gets the bombs into the buildings because you know, they have bomb squads ready and all this other stuff, and nobody can figure it out. And so when Batman sees the note and the Mad Bomber, it triggers like a memory of his old the old TV show. And he can't remember exactly what it was, but he remembers it was from the Grey Ghost. So mm-hmm. he goes trying to find you know episodes, and basically it doesn't exist because the studio burned, and so there are no copies that are in existence, which is just heartbreaking when you think of that. It's like just thinking yeah. of like some of those like shows where it's like if they didn't exist, um, and. Uh, so, uh, and then at the same time as we're seeing this, we're seeing the, the actor Simon Trent, the actor who played the Grey Ghost, struggling, can't get a job, you see, you know, can't get any other acting job, they see him as the Grey Ghost, um, and he's in this little apartment just with all this memorabilia, like, from it, and, and, um, him just struggling, and then Batman, uh, rem- remembering this from the Grey Ghost, looks him up and finds him. And is trying to get him to help him, but he doesn't want anything to do with Batman. He just wants to stay out of it and everything, and is afraid of him. And just, and so, um, but then when when they're discussing this, he hears this noise, and he's like, you know, that you know, and he, he recognizes it. And then the next minute, you know, a building near them explodes. So then Batman's really trying to find him. He's like, look, you know something, like you know, what what do you remember? What about that noise and stuff? And so instead of getting involved, he goes into his like closet and he basically the actor has reels of every episode from the Grey Ghost which is kind of cool and um, he gives him the episode with the Mad Bomber so then you see Bruce Wayne back at Wayne Manor watching it and I just love that because you can see him like being a little kid which you just never yeah. ever get to see that from Bruce Wayne and they mm-hmm. do a little like pan where you, it pans around and zooms into his eye comes out and it's him as a kid watching the episode and then comes back around and then it's back to Bruce Wayne. He's sitting there smiling just watching this. And yeah. um and then basically you find out that in the episode the noise after you hear like the noise and the explosion you see that it's made by these little remote control cars. And you see Bruce Wayne just go like, You've got to be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, you know, they're on the lookout for remote control cars and so that the next one, you know, all the police are there, Gordon's there already and then um they end up seeing, like, the car... I think Gordon ends up seeing the cars first, and they, like, one of the policemen shoots one, and it blows up, and then, uh, then, like, two others are, like, about to come, go into the, uh, like, library, I think it is, and then Batman, like, just bursts out with a flamethrower, and just, like, <laughs> blasts the other one, and it, like, explodes, and I'm just like, what have you ever seen Batman with a flamethrower? That's just cool. Like, you know someone, like, the animator was like, 
can we do a flamethrower, please? Oh, I always yeah. want to do a flamethrower. And they're like, fine, give him a flamethrower, just like for that. And it's just, I love that. I just think that's cool. And, um, you know, and then he, they chase down another car and he finds one. Uh, and as he, like, picks it up, but then, like, three more. And he's, like, stuck in this alley, which I don't like that they make it seem like Batman's trapped. Because, I mean, he'd probably be fine. But, um, anyway, the cars are coming towards him. You see a rope come down and it's... <laughs> and he climbs up it. Like you said, you need my help. Look familiar? More than familiar. It's identical. Look, it even has the Grey Ghost brand name. Better check it for prints. Thanks. Hey, I owed you. You got me my outfit back. Grey Ghost. Yes? You want to give me a hand with this? So he takes him to the Bat Cave, um, and then when he gets out, he basically is like, you know, this looks just like the Grey Ghost Lair, and so it's like, man, Batman like copied like the Lair from the guy you watch on TV, which I don't care how ridiculous that might be, I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love that. It just adds this element to Batman that we just I don't think I've, I don't think ever see anywhere else this element of like humanity in Batman. Um. And I, I just, I love that. And so, um, and then they, like, scan it and uh, everything, and he basically finds out that, you know, Simon Trent's prints are all over the car, and he's like, the, you know, this has your prints, what, what's going on? And he's like, no, I got rid of those cards weeks ago. And then they're like, oh, it can't be him. And then you find out, early in the episode, he sold a bunch of his stuff to this, like, toy collector. And then you find out that it's him, he's the bad guy. And the toy collector, if you didn't notice... It's drawn just like, and is voiced by Bruce Tim, who is one of the yeah. main creators of the show. Right. It's drawn just like him, it looks mm -hmm. like him, and he does the voice of it, which I think that's kind of funny. Oh, See yeah. one of the creators be like, you know, one of the main characters. Um, and basically he's the one who, he remembered an episode of The Grey Ghost and is trying to do that same thing with those cars. So basically Batman shows up and The Grey Ghost shows, shows up and they end up kind of fighting and Batman ends up setting off all the cars and it blows up his, like, toy like like store and everything and um, the episode ends with uh, uh, Simon Trent's copies uh, it basically you know got got his uh, took his like copies of the show and it got and now it's getting getting re released on video for the first time because now they're they found copies and um, and then it's him as the gray ghost signing uh, like copies of it and you see Bruce Wayne in line with a copy and getting it signed saying like you know can you make this out to Bruce and, uh, <laughs> and I love that. Um, oh yeah. And, and then you know that's the end of the episode, kind of happy ending with that. With, again, very similar to what happened with uh, with Adam West and Batman. And you know, he was just completely typecast. They're like, no, you're Batman. Yeah. Like we see you as Batman, so he couldn't get any work and stuff. And um, and then of course now you know the show's huge again for you know people that grew up with it um even yeah, me you know it's way before my time but i even grew up that's the first batman i ever watched was with my dad watching that movie um the batman 66 movie so i mean that's even you know the first batman for me but anyway that that's my uh third favorite episode um, i love that episode and, oh my um, god i knew you would your your thoughts about that one Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to pick that one. Uh, this is a great episode. It, again, it's very, very meta, which I really like. Um, and it, it shows, you know, how much, like, Bruce Tim and the other creators of the show, you know, love Batman and just love the history of Batman. And like you said, like, where it was kind of taboo 
for decades to kind of remember the Adam West show because it was damaging to the Batman image and what we think of Batman now. But, you know, it's it's them showing that, you know, if it wasn't for Adam West, we probably wouldn't have the animated series. We wouldn't have the movies that we have now. So it, it's a perfect, I think, uh, pass of the torch, of course, having um, Adam West and Kevin Conroy, you know, together voicing in the episode to me, I, I think is like the ultimate classy, you know, passing the torch. Just Adam West going yeah. like, you know, thank you for remembering me and honoring, you know, like you know what I what I did for his character, like you know, um, and yeah, of course, and like actually making it fit in this episode where it's thematic and um, metaphorical for Bruce Wayne and Batman for his hero. You know, I'm sure Kevin Conroy at one point mentions how you know he was inspired by Adam West too, you know, because you know again it gave him a job. So again, it's it's a really you know really well thought of and just kind of very 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 heartfelt episode anyway so that's my that, that's my third so i guess we'll go top two now top two yeah so for my top two is one we've already talked about for me uh is two-face uh again i, I count both parts but if i had to i, I picked number one because is yeah, you know, would too. one of my one of my favorites and this is what i think of when i think of an episode that is not just meant for kids and like any adult can watch and take seriously and it's probably one more saddest episodes probably I mean probably more than Heart of Ice more than um, I'm trying to remember more the ones that are kind of considered really sad episodes but what I love about it so much is that I love you know of course seeing the Harvey Dent Two-Face origin um, and I you know because there's really only been like two on-screen origins of course you know Harvey Dent is in 1989 Batman but you don't see him become Two-Face of course uh, so you'll, you really only see it in this and in The Dark Knight, of course, which I like in both. But I really like it in this one because it kind of shows a different dynamic of his turn into Two-Face, where in The Dark Knight is unfortunate that he, you know, the Joker gets a hold of him and gives him that one bad day to the point where he snaps and becomes the Two-Face in a way. And in this one, it's more like an ongoing struggle he has with basically being bipolar and like you know, having Two Face in him, you know, when the episode begins, is him being chased by himself pretty much. Um, and then basically, you're seeing, you know, this, this friend of Bruce, this you know, hero of the community, fall and kind of succumb to this sickness or this disease he has, being Two Face almost. And so that's where I think uh, a lot of the you know the really dramatic and almost depressing elements of the episode come to. But you know, I mean, and again, we talk about voice talent and. Freaking um, Richard Mole, who does the voice of Harvey Dent. I mean, like when he goes from like Harvey Dent to Big Bad Harvey, mm-hmm. is so good and it is yes. chilling. Even like you know when he's talking to uh, what's Mob Boss's name again? Um, uh, Rupert Thorne. Rupert Thorne. When he's um, at the chemical plant and uh, you know he's like having his breakdown when he's blackmailing him, and then he's like he's like he made the mistake. He's like you're talking to the wrong guy, and then you hear Big Bad Harvey. To this day, it's still terrifying. So what do you say, Harvey? Do we have a deal? There's just one problem. What's that? You're talking to the wrong Harvey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, was... That's a great line. Yeah, yeah. It's like just one so, problem. You're talking to the wrong Harvey. Like oh. every time, every time I hear, every time I hear that voice, I, you know, I get goosebumps. So of course, you know, people think of Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, but I mean that that voice of 
Two Face is so iconic. I love how, and I love how drastically different they are between Nice Guy Harvey Dent and then you know Big Bad Harvey. And, and like, the, and the scene with his psychiatrist is like, again, like how would you expect from a kid show? And so, I, I, I absolutely love it. And of course, you get the big reveal of Two Face at the end. And of course, I love the design. Of course, you know the the Dark Knight having him burnt makes more sense. It's kind of more realistic, but like. You know, the giant eye, the white hair, the blue disfigurement, I, I, I love. It's my favorite look of the character. That's but I, Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It's I definitely one of the best written. I mean, again, you're talking about a not even 20-minute episode in the character development that they have. I mean, of course, the character has been shown a couple episodes before this. but like 20-minute episode, but yeah. But, even, but yeah, but, I mean, if you count credits, <laughs> whatever, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the amount of character development again in a little in a kids show is oh, it's, to this day is still so good. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, I mean yeah, I mean I already said it. it's in my top yeah, it's yeah. In my top five. Yeah, of course, it's fantastic. Everything you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, definitely. Agree. Yeah, all right. all right. So my my second one is another one, just like uh, the man who killed Batman. This is purely just for the Joker, um, and it's a uh, Joker's favor. That's my number two episode. Of course. That that is an unsung episode. That's one that people forget about. Yeah, it's one of the earlier episodes, and it is one of the best episodes. I love that episode because that is the most terrifying Joker I think maybe we've ever seen. Yeah, the most like heinous and just evil character, like it just. But at the same time, being absolutely hilarious. Like, <laughs> I die laughing multiple times in this episode. Like, just throughout the whole episode, it's just so funny. Um, kind of like, also, kind of like we were talking about with uh, The Killing Joke, with like, you know, when he shoots Barbara, and then, you know, everything that he's mm. saying after that. It's like, it's so evil, but it's funny at the same time. This is kind of, it's not quite that, you know, it's not that dark, but it, it's, it's kind of like that, a little bit. So basically, um, with this episode... Um, it starts with this nobody, Charlie Collins, driving home, and he's just complaining about the day. He's just like, ah, you know, I had the worst day. Boss turned down my raise. You know, my kid needs braces, and you know, um, my wife's t- making meatloaf for dinner, and I hate meatloaf. You know, just everything. And he's driving through, and then all of a sudden he hears on the radio that the Joker's escaped Arkham. You know, shocker. And um, and then basically he's sitting there, and all of a sudden you just see like all these cops just like fly past and he like has to swerve off the road and he's like you know what are they they're hurry and he gets back in his lane and all of a sudden you see big batmobile lights and he like has to swerve over and the batmobile flies past him and he's like all right fine just push me out of the road <laughs> and so then he's driving back in his lane and all of a sudden this other car just comes and cuts him off and he's like oh no that that's it that's it i'm not taking this anymore so he like speeds up gets right next to the car and just turns and just starts yelling at it just like you know you know, look over here, I'm talking to you, clown. Think you're on the whole road and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it just like turns and it's the Joker just like staring at him. And you just see him like just... And then he just like drives off and like swerves back into other lanes and just like, that was the Joker. I cussed out the Joker. And then as he's driving, you see that car in the lane. You see Joker put his hand out and the blinkers start flicking and he gets behind him. <laughs> Right off the bat, I'm laughing because the Joker's like, oh, yeah. he's just being super polite, following him, and then you know, 
you know, the, Charlie starts freaking out and it's like swerving now. He's now the one swerving across traffic, like trying to get away. And you see the Joker do the same thing, put his hand out in the blinker and get like behind him. And then he like swerves like off the highway, like off a ramp and it's going through the thing. And all of a sudden he like turns a corner and the Joker's car just pulls in right in front of him. <laughs> then he backs out and is flying up and is like trying to go up this like hill and then the car stalls out. So he gets out and starts running. And, um, and then, uh, he like stops and is sitting like at a tree or whatever. And then Joker like, Shows up and earlier, Raleigh's like, you know, yelling at the Joker. One of the things he says was, you know, for two cents, Al. And then, like, that's when he sees the Joker and freaks out. So then he's sitting at the, at like a tree, and then all of a sudden you see like two pennies just like fly down at his feet. And Joker's just like, there's your two cents now. What were you going to do to me? He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, no, no, I'm sorry. You know, I had a terrible day. Like, Boston's on my. And the Joker like tries to like talk to him, and he goes, there's your two cents now. What are you going to do to me? Well, listen, I, I'm sorry, really. I, I had a bad day. Boss turned down my raise. Now look, my rude friend. We can't have people cursing each other on the freeway. It's simply not polite. I'm just going to have to teach you some manners. Please don't. I have a family, a wife, a little boy. Please, I'll do anything to make it up. Anything. Anything, says you? Uh-huh. Okie dokie. Wallet. Sure, I don't have much cash. Oh, please, don't insult me. Hmm, Charles Michael Collins. That's you. Lousy picture, though, lousy. Address, height, weight, blah, blah. Righty, oh, chuckers. Here's the deal. I'll let you off if you promise to do a little favor for me. Uh, okay. What? I don't know! I haven't thought of it yet! You just toddle on back to your mundane, meaningless little life, and when I need you, I'll call. Fair? Good? Great! I'll be in touch. Just that, that, that little line of dialogue is one of my favorite things. Because um, one, it's hilarious. Because he does this whole thing to deal with him, and then he's just like, alright, what's the favor? And he's like, I don't know, I haven't thought of it. <laughs> That's hilarious, and also because now he's basically like is in control of this guy's life, and you mm-hmm. see like the little change. Obviously, I'm no Mark Hamill, but if you watch the episode, you see these little changes in his voice. Oh yeah, uh, very subtle. There, there's two different uh, times. One is uh, later when he's first is uh, you know when Charlie says, you know I'll do every anything, and he goes anything, and then he goes okie dokie, and then he goes wallet. And it just, like, mm-hmm. drops to, like, low. Yeah, he, he's so good about that. And he, like, hands to him, and he does the whole thing. Then he's all gleeful and does the whole high thing again. And then at the end, he's just like, you know, the fair, good, great. And then it drops, and he just goes, I'll be in touch. 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 He just goes, and just that, that, that little line of dialogue is one of my favorite things. Because, um, <laughs> one, it's hilarious. Because he does this whole thing to deal with him, and then he's just like, all right, what's the favor? And he's like, I don't know. I haven't thought of it. <laughs> That's hilarious. And also, because now he's basically like is in control of this guy's life. And mm-hmm. you see like the little change. Obviously, I'm no Mark Hamill. But if you watch the episode, you see these little changes in his voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, very subtle. There, there's two different uh, times. One is uh, later when he's first is, uh, you know, when Charlie says, you know, I'll do every- anything. And he goes, anything? And then he goes, Okie dokie, and then he goes, wallet, and it just like mm-hmm. drops to like low. Yeah, he, he's so good about that. 
and he like hands to him and he does the whole thing then he's all gleeful and does the whole high thing again and then at the end he's just like you know the fair good great and then it drops and he goes i'll be in touch mm-hmm. and it's just like it's that like underlying menace that's like going over the whole thing and yeah. then uh so then basically it goes to uh um and then uh basically then it, it cuts to two years later and um joker is uh i think there's like a thing like commissioner gordon is going to be honored with like a i think they call it a testimonial or something basically like a policeman's ball type thing he's going to mm-hmm. get honored for you know doing a great job as police commissioner and he hates it i also love that part he's just hating it he's like is there any way you can not do this and they're like no it's to honor you and he's like ah oh, i hate this whole thing and it's I love that with Commissioner Gordon. That's great, and um, mm-hmm. and so then the Joker sees it, you know, finds out about it, and he's uh, in his lair, like throwing darts at the picture of Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> and um, and then this is a, this is also the first ever episode with Harley Quinn. Before she was yeah. actually a character, she was just a hench girl at this time. Um, mm-hmm. But immediately, just from this episode, you're like, there's something different, and it doesn't feel like it's a hench girl. Obviously, now we mm-hmm. know the character, so. It might be a little biased from there, but just from me watching this, I'm just like, this character seems so fleshed out, even here in this first episode. Yeah, and like, it felt like, a, yeah, exactly. It felt like a character that we we had seen for years, like any of the other characters. It didn't just be like, oh, some shoehorn, you know, some random psychic, exactly, that we have to give now. It's like, and like you, a lot of people actually don't even know that she wasn't originally like, you know, part of the original like comics characters. Because uh-huh. no like, that's just how strong of a character and how unique she is. Yeah, created by Paul Dini, who wrote the character, and Bruce Timm, who drew the character uh, for this show. It was, yeah, the, the creation of the character. Um, and now, look, she's now in a live-action movie, yeah. just like that. That's kind of cool. Um, exactly, yeah. She's huge. And, uh, anyway, so, we have, you know, him and Harley Quinn, he's basically saying, like, you know, I, I need to be at this, this, uh, you know, this party for commissioner. I need to, you know, you know, give him my thanks and everything. And so he's like, <clears throat> and he's like, but I'm going to need some help with all this. You see him like flipping through his book and then Harley Quinn's just like, going to call in a specialist boss? And then he's just like, oh no, I have the perfect one for this. And he pulls out and it's the driver's <laughs> license from Charlie Collins from the years before. So then it cuts to, um, to this like nice, peaceful city, you know, a little like suburb city, like perfect. And, uh, you know, you see Charlie like playing with like his kid in like the front yard and then the phone rings, and he goes to answer it. And then you hear the joke on the other line being like, you know, you know, is this Charlie Collins or whatever? And he goes, you know, sorry, wrong number. My name's Don, and all this whole thing. He's like, and then you just hear the joke be like, no, 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 this is the right number. <laughs> Charles Michael Collins. And I don't know why you would change your name to Don Wallace and move your, like, family to something like Springdale, Ohio, or whatever he says. And then he's like, how did you find me? And he goes find you i never lost you it's like you've become my hobby and it's that whole part where the joker is like holy crap of all just like the evil yeah he's literally like just been stalking this guy like this whole time just oh that's just terrifying and this Mm -hmm. is a kid show where the joker can't kill anybody or anything and it's like almost as terrifying as of a joker as like you've seen anywhere else yeah without at times times. Yeah, yeah But, um, anyway, so he basically is like, you know, you're going to do this favor for me or your family, you know, I know where you live, your family's going to basically, you know, get killed, um, without saying killed, kid show. 
Right. And, uh, and so he flies, he's on the plane and flies, and the whole time he's like, and he, when he's getting off the plane, he's like, sees a picture of Batman and is thinking, he's like, you know, if there's some way I could get, you know, call Batman. And then you see, uh, he's like trying to figure out where to go, and then all of a sudden you see Harley Quinn, you know, pop up at the thing, you know, being like, hi, Charlie, like, you know, come, come on, like with the balloons and everything, and... And she takes him back to the lair, and then he, like, gets there, you see Joker's face light up when he comes in, and he just goes, you know, he says something like, jumpin', Jiminy Christmas, Charlie Collins, and he's like, it's been forever, and he, like, hugs him, and he's just like, you look great, man, and he's like, you know, you've lost some weight, and, like, stuff like that, like, he's an old buddy, and it's just, oh, it's, yeah. it's so funny, and then he's like, so, you're, you know, you ready to help me out, and... Like yeah, just don't don't let me hurt anybody. And he goes, oh, don't worry, I have the perfect job for you. And then it cuts to later; they're like in a van, like outside of the policeman's ball. <laughs> and then he's just like, and then the Joker does the other best part of the whole episode, and he's just like, all right, so uh, you ready? You ready to do your little favor? And then he's just like, all right, what do you need me to do? And he goes, all right. When Harley knocks on the door three times, you open it. He's like, and? And that's it. He's like, you called me all this way just to open a door? He goes, well, look at the size of that cake, man. She can't open the door and push it in all at once. Think. <laughs> you just see him, like, stop and He just goes, he's crazy. Yeah. Just, he brought him the whole way to open the door for Harley Quinn to, to push in the cake and... That kills me every time. That's just like the funniest thing. It's like this is the Joker. Everything about this yeah. is the Joker. He's literally crazy. Oh man, it's just so funny. So basically, they're in the in the policeman's ball, and uh, Bruce Wayne's there talking with Commissioner Gordon. But then Bruce Wayne has to leave, so he starts driving off. And Charlie's walking around. And he walks into this hall of inventions, and he sees like the big like bat like thing like on a crane. And he's just sitting there like, no, this would never work. But he's like, well, maybe. And he like starts swinging it in the window, and then Alfred sees it as they're driving away, and is like, I think you might be needed in there, you know. And so Batman, you know, they turn around. So he's they're in the policeman's ball and uh, in the area, and then um, you know, Gordon's like speaking and stuff, and then. You hear the knock on the door, and then he goes and opens the door. Charlie, or not Charlie, uh, Harley comes in with the cake, and basically making this big show. And they're all kind of confused, like you know, what's the, what's this? And and does like this. She does this like whole poem like to Commissioner Gordon, and that's that's all funny. And then then when she's done, like all the candles, I think, like start shooting out gas, and it basically freezes everybody. And then the Joker pops out of the. Uh, um, of the cake, and uh, it's like yes, another stunning Joker entrance, you know, and and then he he clips basically a metal onto Commissioner Gordon, which basically has you know, dynamite on it, is a bomb, and it's counting down. And I'm pretty impressed; they actually get the countdown time exactly perfect to like when they do it, to yeah. when it explodes. Like I count it; I always count because it's almost <laughs> always wrong. And oh, yeah. um, it's it's actually dead on, like, to the second. When they show it, like, saying 25, 24, then Batman shows up. Char and, oh, yeah, and when Charlie opens the door, his hand's now stuck on the on the handle. And then he's, you know, Joker's leaving. He's like, you promised you'd send me home. And then Joker's like, I never said alive. And then, you know, it's just like, you know, great. It's a Joker. You know, perfect. So then Batman shows up, <laughs> grabs the metal, like, I think shoots it up mm -hmm. with a grappling hook. And uh, it explodes outside. And you see... Um, 
the Joker, they're like running to the van. They're like, I, you know, they hear the explosion, and the Joker's like, that came from outside. He's like, come on, let's go. I smell a bat. And then he starts running out, and then he's like, to the van. And then you see Harley Quinn just look out the window. She goes, ah, uh, boss. And then you know, the van had been blown up by a bomb. Um, and so then they, you know, go to another part <laughs> of the of what whatever whatever place they are. It's I don't know what it is a museum or something. And yeah. um, and uh, so Batman like frees Charlie, and then he goes after him, and there's like all these this room with all these ancient weapons and the two like henchmen are like attacking him with the weapons and he's you know he stops him he stops Harley um like handcuffs her and then he goes into like this temple they have like the, a replica Aztec temple and Joker's like you know look at this amazing temple it's completely accurate down to the poison tip darts and you're like one why uh why would yeah. you put poison tip darts in this museum but okay so it's like shooting a Batman he's running out and then there's a drop away floor and he flies into it and uh, he's like, you know, Joker's like, the drop by four is a nice touch, too. And he's, like, leaning over it, and it's, like, tilted up. And then underneath, you just see, like, two eyes, like, pop out from the darkness, like the two bad eyes. And then he, like, knocks it, and it knocks the Joker away. And then Joker, like, throws a bomb to him, and he throws it, and it blows, you know, it blows up the building, and he gets out. And then, uh, so Joker's, like, running through an alley, and then he runs into Charlie is there. And then Charlie has a bomb, has a Joker bomb, and it's like, you know... My family will never be safe while you're still here. And he's like, now, now, now Joker's scared. And he's like, you know, what, what are you doing? You've had a busy day and all this stuff. And he goes, no, no, no. You know, I can destroy a man's dreams too. He's like, no ultimate finish with the Dark Knight or anything. Tomorrow, all they're going to find is the remains of the Joker blown up in an alley aside a miserable, miserable little nobody. And this is another thing, just like in the man, uh, man who killed Batman, where you see this relationship with Batman and the Joker mentioned, and it's mentioned by yeah. you know a guy who I don't really know how he knows that much about it, but you know whatever, it's fine for you know story purposes. It works really well because it's like it's yeah. true. He's like, no, I'm gonna take away your dream of having an ultimate finish with the Dark Knight, you know, with Batman. And so then the Joker's like, no, you know. I was like, no, no, you, you need to stop. You know, you got, you can't do this. And he's like, Batman! And he just starts yelling for Batman. <laughs> for Batman to help to come save him. Then Batman, like, shows up. He's, like, sitting there, and he's like, how long have you been there? He's like, long enough. And he goes, you know, stop. You know, Batman's, like, trying to talk Charlie down. He's like, you know, stop it, Charlie. And Charlie's like, no, no, this is the only way my family stays safe. He's threatened them. He knows all about them. And Joker's like, fine, fine. Here's everything on his family. And it's like throwing him like the book with everything written down. And he goes, he goes, it's all there, promise. And then he's like, you're no fun anymore, Charlie. And then Charlie just goes, here, catch. And throws the bomb at him. The Joker runs behind Batman and is like cowering behind. And then it blows up. And it was a fake one with like streamers going everywhere. And then Charlie's just like, gotcha. And Joker's like sitting there, you know, scared to death. And, and then Batman is the one who starts laughing. Batman starts laughing, uh, which is just mm-hmm. great. Um,. And so then, you know, he, he goes back home and, you know, everything's fine. But just, I, I love that episode so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the lesser known episodes, but it is, it's in my top, it's, it's my top, it's my second favorite episode. I, I love it. Because any episode that makes me laugh that much time. immediately has yeah. to be right up there. Because it's, it's so funny and yet so menacing yeah, with the Joker. It's definitely, oh, yeah. I think, the Joker at his best in this, in the entire series um, yeah, I probably agree. It's it's just 
fantastic, and I wish more people knew about this episode. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, I love it. I think it's great. So, I don't know, your thoughts about it? I mean, pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's really not much to say that you didn't. But I mean, like, this is probably an episode if, like, you found someone who somehow had never heard of the Joker, had no idea who the Joker was, this would be a great episode to show them and just be like, this is pretty much everything you need to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, because, like, it's probably maybe the best Joker appearance in the series. I, I would probably say maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, all, all the, I mean, of course, it's maybe one of the funniest episodes, like you said all the great lines he has, but yeah, at the same time, how frightening he is in this episode, without really doing anything frightening, you know, without right. him, like, violently killing anybody, He's without him, like, being really... Time. Yeah. But... but again, the, the idea, like, this guy moves away for two years, he thinks, you know, he has spent, like, the last two years, you know, probably sleepless every night worrying that the Joker's gonna find him, and then when he finally thinks he's safe, it turns out the Joker is like, oh yeah, I know where you were the whole time. I just didn't need you. And it's kind of like that, that like that um, urban legend of like you know, a woman who's home alone, you know, like her dog looks her hand, and like you know she thinks like you know if her dog looks her hand, it's always safe. And it turns out you know the killer is like I can lick hands too. It's kind of like that where it's like you were never really safe, uh, and like that idea that like you never really escaped the Joker. Um, I think it's really creepy. But and again and again, like you know how crazy he is where you think he's going to need him to do something, uh, you know, like, you think he'd be like, okay, I want you to kill the Batman for me if you're going to do me a favor. It's like, no, I just want you to hold the door. Yeah. Again, just showing how just showing how crazy he is. And, like, you know, someone had a great great uh, quote about the Joker. It's like, the Joker's that guy who would kill you because he doesn't like your shoelaces. It's like, yeah. And it's like, it, and this episode perfectly demonstrates how, yeah, crazy he is. But And, and like you thought about how good Mark Hamill is with the sudden changes in voice where it goes from typical, you know, high pitched Joker squeal to that really, really menacing, like where he gets serious. And to me that's like, you know, a lot of actors are either one or the other in that where really no one has gotten that like subtle change of like when the Joker just you kinda you don't you can't say it's his true side because you don't know which one is his true side. Is it the funny, laughing, don't care joker or, or again like that terrifying, creepy uh, seriously, do. but yeah, it's everything you mentioned is great. Yeah, yeah, I'm, that's a great episode. All right, so now this is this is a moment of truth. These number are, one, you know, our our number one episode. So number one. All right, well, I told you it may be unexpected. Uh, this is probably one of the lesser known, I would say, or not lesser known, but not as um, talked about. But yeah, claimed, yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, but yeah, my number one is uh, Nothing to Fear from the first season slash first volume, one of the very first episodes. Um, and the reason I picked this is kind of two reasons. This is actually the very first episode that I either saw or I remember seeing. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is like the first one I ever saw. I just have it ingrained into my memory for some reason. You know, I, I just have never forgotten the images and the episode itself. Uh, but the other reason for I me, mean, really, the episode is really straightforward. Um, yeah, the only. It's uh, like the first appearance and kind of little backstory of the of uh, Scarecrow. You know, Scarecrow has always been one of my favorite villains, probably top five for me. Um, and a lot of stuff from this episode they kind of use in Batman Begins, which I really liked. Uh, but I always like the Joker because I'm a um, the Scarecrow because you know it deals with fear. And I love you know I think that's a great element that plays with Batman. You know his fear of bats, his fear of you know his parents, like now his parents. You can get into a lot of really good. 
uh, Batman stories with you know talking about fear and everything. But um, yeah, so really, uh, bottom line is the um, Scarecrow's robbing a bank. Batman goes and stop him. Of course, gets poisoned by the Joker's fear toxin, and um, you know it starts having kind of haunting uh, visions of his father. And basically, his father telling him that you know you've tarnished a Wayne name. You've you've let down the family. You're a failure. You know, look at you're hiding in a basement pretty much and finding crime at night, you know, you're, you, this is not what I wanted for you. So really, again, an episode that really deals with his inner struggle, his kind of conflict with himself, within Batman, uh, which I love. Uh, but the reason why I love this episode... Oh. Which, which I, we forgot, we both didn't mention in the Two-Face episode, there's a moment of that too, with him trying, when he's having the nightmare about Harvey, and then the nightmare oh, ends yeah. with, the, with the family, with his parents being oh, like, he yeah. couldn't save us. I forgot to mention that. I forgot about that. But yeah. you saying that reminded me of that. That's another great part of that episode. But anyway, oh, yeah. back to yours. Oh, good on you remembering. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the rest of the episode is straightforward. Basically, you know, the Batman trying to stop the Scarecrow. But probably my favorite moment of the series. I know what you're talking about. And of course, this is the episode where we get the famous line uh, where... Batman is hanging off the side of like a blimp trying to stop Scarecrow and still having the side effects of the toxin where he's still kind of in visions. You know, like he's hanging, he's trying to pull himself up and of course he starts having a vision of his father. The ghost of his father is huge, like a frightening, you know, terrifying and telling him, you know, give up basically your failure. You know, you're, you're a joke or something, you know, to that extent. Um, and he's No, I am Vengeance, I am Knight, I am Batman. And of course, it's Kevin Conroy saying it in all this epic Man, glory. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, and for me, that moment is like the ultimate Batman moment. Of course, everyone has to say, I am Batman, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton. Oh. Hang on. Yeah. You're, uh, it didn't like, work. Literally, as soon as you're about to like do the whole line, it like <laughs> yours had been like going kind of in and out, but it was okay. But it literally like stopped right then. So go back yeah. to like him hanging. It's working now. Okay. Yeah, so it's, you know, he, he starts to have another um, hallucination vision, of course, when he's hanging off the side. Uh, he's freaking out. And it's like, oh, man. It's like, it's not working at all. Yeah, of course, it's like haunting. I sing going on and on about how, you know, you know, you're you're an insult to the family. You're you're nothing. Are you getting any of this? Yeah, it's barely working right now. So go 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 quick. Okay, so of course you know he's saying you're nothing. You know, you're an insult to the family. This you know you, bat you know whatever you become is nothing. And then Batman you know reaches into himself and finally gets his inner strength. And that's where we get the great line. Uh, he's like, no, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman, and of yep. course, it's Kevin Conroy saying it, and it's perfect. It, to me, that's like ultimate Batman moment of all time. Of course, you know people, you know, have said it in other movies and other yeah. series, but like that moment is like, I don't know. It just, it has resonated me my whole life, and yep. that's what I think of. Um, and yeah, for, <laughs> so literally for that moment alone, I'm like, God, that's everything about Batman I love in three 
sentences, basically. Uh, but yeah, yep. but I, I mean, yeah, yeah, and that's why I love it. I can't argue with that. That's definitely ah. one of the most just epic Batman moments ever of, of, of all time, of any Batman oh, yeah, medium. Yeah. Of all time, sure. exactly. That's still, I'd say, the most famous Batman quote of all time. Yeah, I mean, and, and now they use it, you know, it's almost commonplace to have it with any time, you know, like if you have like a, a Batman shrine or some type of webpage, it, usually that quote is right under it. And and whenever Kevin Conroy speaks, like, any, oh. or ta- appearance, appears anywhere, always has to say that. Because that's yeah. just, that's it. He says it perfectly. He doesn't, like, yell it, but, like, he just, ah, uh, I can't, I, I won't even try to mimic it, because it, it... Yeah, would, me neither. It would and I, I try to mimic some terrible things, but I'm not, no, you can't even try that one. No, it's perfect. I mean, and there have been good attempts, you know, of course, like, every actor has kind of said it as, like, a, you know, you kind of have to have that I'm Batman moment. Yeah. But nothing, nothing will ever be that. That is pinnacle, I'm Batman. Like even like uh, I think like the very first episode like Batman Beyond not to not to return the Joker, um, but there's like a moment where he's like you know I forget who the villain is, but he's like you know for a guy who dresses up as Batman you're kind of a joke, and like you know who's the is the Terry Terry McGinnis Terry McGinnis, and like he has the moment he's like he's like no I'm Batman I thought that was good too yeah. but like that one this is like you know of course yeah. the end all be all of course for sure but yeah yeah that's a solid one I didn't even think about that episode. Because because that episode to me is kind of unmemorable, but then that part sure. is just awesome. But again, like it is, it's to me, it's a perfect episode, like the very first perfect, probably very first like introduction Batman I had because I mean like you know I obviously I was born the year after the series came out, but I like I remember seeing the reruns five maybe when, or four or five, and so this that was probably my very first introduction and exposure to Batman, and what yeah. better way than having the famous line delivered to you when that happens so that's why yeah. you know it from then on you know it was meant to be for sure that's great it's a solid number one and i like it that it's like a different it's a personal one yeah exactly yeah. well yeah that's what that's what i that's what this list is supposed to be about yeah my my um <clears throat> my list is also a very personal episode uh one that one that actually I didn't realize, but actually does get higher acclaim than I thought it did. Oh yeah, um, yeah. it's like it's like number seven, I think, on IMDb. Like, you know, yeah, I've seen I've seen other people mention it a lot too. Yeah, but it's not one you really hear mentioned because it's not you know all the ones that are mentioned are you know Heart of Ice and Almost Got Him and you know some of those are always mentioned. But um, you know, Joker's two, Chris or Christmas with the Joker, which is another great one. Oh, the two oh, yeah. face ones are always mentioned. Robin's yeah. Reckoning is always mentioned. Oh yeah, um, all, all great episodes. But my favorite episode is uh, from the second volume, and it's Perchance to Dream. Oh, man. And he's Batman for, like, the teeny bit at the beginning and a teeny bit at the end, and he's not even Batman throughout the whole thing. Um, And it's also one of my favorite villains of all time. It's a way lesser used villain. It's not usually used well when they do use him. The mm-hmm. Mad Hatters, I think, one of the most terrifying villains ever in any yeah. If you really, get, um, if you really look at him, yeah. Because also, uh, as a kid, uh, my grandparents had on on VHS uh, the Disney Alice in Wonderland movie. Oops. My sister, my little sister, loved it, but it scared me to death. I thought that was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life, and the story still scares me. Yeah. I just think it's a terrifying story of like. You falling down in this world where nothing makes sense and everything's mm-hmm. just insane and all, this. dude. That would 
drive me absolutely mad. Like, I couldn't handle that. It's a terrifying story for me. And that's part of what, um, you know, where I get this uh, view of the Mad Hatter from. So the Mad Hatter is basically a character picked from that, and he's basically a mind-control villain that... Created, and, I think, you know, I, and I think that's why he kind of gets underappreciated, is because people just go, oh, oh he's, he's just a, a, a mimic of the Alice yeah. Wonderland character. He's not an original villain, but... Yeah, but how he is in Batman lore is really terrifying in how they utilize him and how they kind of... Yeah, I mean, but I think that's why he doesn't get as much praise as he should. That's another episode I really like is the... The Mad Hatter's only in... There's only two episodes that are actually about the Mad Hatter. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he's in trial. um, And maybe in, like, maybe, like, makes an appearance and maybe one or two others... But um, yeah, the first one, the main yeah. one about the Mad Hatter, Mad as a Hatter, is another episode I really like, just because I like that character, and it shows the evolution of the character mm. from, like, this very normal guy to, yeah. you know, going completely crazy. Um, anyway, so yeah. this episode, basically, Batman starts off with an, with an amazing car chase sequence, mm. with Batman chasing down this, uh, this, you know, like, two criminals in a car, and it's just beautifully shot like of the Batmobile like flying through alleys it, it all seems very fast it's beautifully drawn um, he's chasing through these alleys and around these turns like through fences and all this stuff and then the car like stops in front of this big like plant of some kind and uh, you know Batmobile stops next to it and he jumps in and he's going along this catwalk and all of a sudden you like see this big light come on and like this weird dust like fly on him and then this giant just like piece just come down on him and he just looks at him and just like what the and it goes black and then it immediately is him waking up like in his bed just like you know like waking up you know back at Wayne Manor and Alfred's there and he's like you know rise and shine sir you know and he's like man I fell into that trap you know like an amateur and he's just like how did I get back here did Robin bring me or whatever and he's like and Alfred's so confused he's like Robin like a young lady and he's like I thought you and Miss Selena were, well, that's none of my business, you know, and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, Bruce Wayne just doesn't think anything of it. He's like, you know, and Alfred's just like, I, you know, I just prepared breakfast or whatever. Or, and, now, and, you know, Bruce Wayne, anyway, he's like walking through and he's, you know, dresses and it's going down and it's going to the clock and it's like pulling it and it's like not opening. It's like, what? It's like, you know, it's not here. And then Alfred's just like, what's hmm. not here? And he's like, you know what I'm talking about? The entrance to the Batcave. Like, why is it? Why is it? Cl- why is it sealed up? And he's like, Batcave. And he's like, Yes, Alfred, the Batcave. It's a big hole in the ground with a big <laughs> car in it that's all black. And you never see Batman sarcastic, and I, I, I love that. Yeah. And he's just like, What? And, and Alfred's so confused. And then all of a sudden, you just see sun, and he turns, oh. and it's it's. Thomas and Martha Wayne, like, sit, or, or maybe it's just, I don't remember if it's both of them or if it's just the dad. And, and I, think it's I think it's both just of them. him at first, and then, you know, Martha comes. And then he's just like, what? And that that's one, there's like two moments, and that's one where it's like the holy crap moment, yeah. where you're like, oh, what is going on? And, yeah. And, and it's his dad, and then he like, he's like, what? It can't be. And like, runs into another room, and it's like, splashing water on his face, and his dad's like, 
you know, you are right, son? And he's, like, trying to recover. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, fine. I just partied too hard last night. And then he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, you aren't going to be able to make it to the office. And he's, like, doing the dad thing, you know, like, with the light in his eyes and, like, checking his pulse and, mm-hmm. like, all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be able to make it. And he's like, yeah, your mother and I have an appointment, too, but at the golf course. And it's just like, he's like, you know, he's in shock. And he, like, goes out and it's in, like, the dressing like dressing room or whatever and Alfred's there and he's like you know and he's talking to Alfred and he's like will you Alfred will you like tell me about my life and he's like humor me please so then Alfred's like tells him that he's you know ever since his dad his father retired he's now head of Wayne Enterprises and he's engaged to Selena Kyle and he's just like no you know it's all wrong and um and so then then it shows him at the office and he's uh just kind of sitting there and all of a sudden Selena walks in and is trying to talk to him and she's like yeah your parents called and you know said you know you could use cheering up or whatever and he's like still trying to process this and then all of a sudden he's just like Selena I I feel like I'm someone else he's like I I know I'm and then all of a sudden she goes Batman he's like what what and then he looks out the window and this is the other like holy crap moment then you see Batman swinging down like across the thing it's like wait what (laughs) and uh then he like dashes out of the room like dashes like down the elevator and like out into the hall and you see like these like people robbing like a jewelry store or whatever and batman you know it's like swinging down doing these amazing moves like that you don't even Mm -hmm. see normally in the show like (laughs) taking them down and and you know like you know driving the car off the road and and, you know capturing all the guys and she you know and selena's sitting there and she's like isn't he amazing and he just goes actually yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love that Mm -hmm. and then um She's, you know, she's just like, you know, he, he's like wondering, he's like, who is he? And she's like, you know, he's Batman or whatever. And, you know, no one knows who he is. And so he just appeared like, you know, a few weeks ago. And he, you know, he's still so confused. So then he goes to see Leslie Tompkins and is, uh, you know, basically saying like, you know, I don't know anything about my life. Like, what's going on? I feel like I'm, I'm living another person's life. And then she's basically, is like, you know you're suffering from, I think she calls it like disassociation or something. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, you've lived a whole life where everything has been handed to you, you know, the, the company, you know, your fortune, everything. And so you don't feel like you've amounted to anything. So your subconscious has like created, you know, merged with this other person who's, uh, you know, everything he does is very meaningful. And, um, and so he's just like, once once you take pride in your own existence, then this, you know, these feelings will pass. And he's like still trying to figure this out. He's like, but what about like all these years of training and everything I went through and, you know, the death of my parents? And she's just like, it's all a delusion of you trying to, you know, be this other person. And so then, then you see this moment of him like accepting it and being like, mm-hmm. so, you know, the nightmare's over. And then you see him like happy, like for the first time. And all of it seems actually fairly plausible. Um, and, uh, so then he's, um, let's see, he's, uh, yeah. So then you see him back at home and he's like, you know, fully accepting it. He's like, you know, hugs his dad and is like, would you and, uh, mom like to join me and Slee at the opera and stuff like that? And his dad's like, oh, you know, you sound like your old self and everything. And he's just like, I've never felt better in my life. And, you know, it's, it's, it's happy. For the first yeah. time, you really seem happy. And then uh, you see him, like, sitting there, and then Alfred, like, goes to, like, get his clothes ready or something. And then he, like, 
pulls open the paper and then he's like looking at it everything's all jumbled and everything like he can't read any of it and he's like what and he's going through like the library and looking at all the books and every book is like all jumbled and he's like you know now he's freaking out like you know nothing makes sense and then his, you know, parents come in. And it's like, you know, what's wrong? Are you okay? And he's like, no, no, get away. It's all a lie. And he, like, runs in another room. And you see, like, on the TV, they're, like, talking about Batman who, like, stopped these criminals. He's like, he's like, Batman. It's like, he's behind all this. I know it. And he, like, leaves, you know, dashes out, drives away. He goes to, like, this, uh, this, like, store and, like, buys, like, a grappling hook and stuff. And then he's leaving. And these two cops, like, show up and are like, you know, Mr. Wayne, your parents are very concerned about you need to come with us and he's like very well but not right now and like takes off and then you know loses him and and at some point he's like climbing upside the building and they're like man the guy moves like batman and um and then he goes to a, a, a graveyard and the whole time the signs on the stores the signs of the graveyard are all also jumbled like you can't read any of them which i think is a nice touch and um mm-hmm. so he like climbs up this tower and he's basically like starts yelling for Batman. He's like, you know, I'm waiting on you, and, like, you did this to me. And you see Batman, like, show up and lands there, and it's just this epic, like, face-off with Bruce Wayne and Batman, like, facing off, which is just awesome. And uh, he's like, you know, I know you're behind all this. And he's like, you know, what what makes you think that? And he's like, he's like, you know, this whole thing is a dream. It's like, I, I suspected it from the start, but I knew I was right when I tried to read the paper. So he's like, you know, it's impossible to read something in a dream. So I'm not exactly sure how accurate that is, but when I'm trying to think of it, I've never read anything in a dream that I can remember. I, yeah, I haven't either. Um, so that, that might be accurate. Um, Could be. I don't know if the reasons they gave were accurate, the different size of the brain. I don't know if that's accurate, but I, I know I've never read anything in a Who dream. Who knows? So anyway, it, it works. And, um, He's like, so mm-hmm. why is this my fault? And he goes, I can't explain it, but, you know, I knew you'd be here. This is part of my, like, nightly patrol and everything. And I know you're behind this. And so then they then they start fighting. Bruce Wayne versus Batman. And it's that's awesome. It's just, it's fantastic. It, you know, you mm-hmm. never, ever see that. You can never see that. And, um, no. and then at this point, all, a bunch of other cops have, like, shown up and are, you know, have surrounded the tower and trying to talk to him and stuff. And, uh. You know, he finally like unmasks Batman, and you find out it's it's the Mad Hatter, and uh, he's just like, you know, congratulations, you know, you figured this out. It's a dream, but it's a very special dream. Um, and he's just uh, basically tells him that he created this dream specifically for him, for it to be everything he's ever wanted, for his family to be alive, him to have like love, and and you know, mm. not the pressures of being Batman and all this other stuff. And it's like his perfect perfect world and so then he you see him struggle with it again he's just like no no i won't live live this lie no matter how attractive you make it and he's just like you know i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna live this uh this dream or whatever it's not real and you see matt hatter's like ah are you a dreamer or just part of someone's dream and he's just like it's very question tweedledee pose out he starts saying that and he's just like this isn't some storybook you see Matt Hatter's like, but it is. This is your story. This is, you know, a perfect story. And he's, you know, he's just like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And then it's like, come on, take me back, bring, you know, bring me back. It's like, no, you can't, you can't get out of this dream. You can't wake up. And then you see like cops like at the door, like the trap door underneath trying to get in. And, um, 
and uh, and then he's like, you know, you need to stop stop doing this. Do you want to spend the rest of your dream life in Arkham? Like, come on, like you know, accept this. And he's like, no. He's like, there is no way out. And you see him just standing, looking over the edge, and you see him like give this little smile, and he's like, no, there is a way out. And he like starts backing up, and he's like, wait, you you don't want to be foolish. It's like this isn't an ordinary dream. What if you're wrong? And then this is my favorite Batman mode of the whole thing, where he's just like, then I'll see you in your nightmares. <laughs> and just runs and just jumps off the building. And then um, you see him, like, freak out. And then all of a sudden he wakes up, and he's laying, like, on this, like, machine with, like, this thing on his head as Batman. And then you see Mad Hat. He, like, starts getting up. Mad Hat is just like, no, no, it's impossible. He's like, and then the other line, which to me, like, makes Batman seem you know, much of a beast as anything. And he's just like, no one's will is strong enough to escape my dream machine. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, ba- mm-hmm. Batman's is. Batman's will is strong enough. <laughs> and that was just yep. so epic. Um, and then he's just, and Batman's like furious. And he's like, why did you do it? And then he's just like, you of all people had the gall to ask me that? And Matt, you know, Matt had just like, you ruined my life. I was willing to give you whatever life you wanted just to keep you out of mine. And then he just kind of breaks down. That's that's all from that. There's no fight or anything. He's just, you know, that's it. He's done. And then you have the mm-hmm. the cops show up and taking off the Mad Hatter. And he's, uh, and then you see, like, Gordon looking at the, like, headpiece. And he's like, huh, you know, you know what this thing is? And he, you see Batman just like, it's like, yeah. It's like the stuff that dreams are made of. Is that line from Maltese Falcon, um, which I'm not really exactly sure how it fits in with that episode, but it, it sounds good. Yeah. Um, and then you know that that's the end of the episode. But that is that's my favorite episode. It's just it's fantastic. It's a look uh, at Bruce Wayne that you never get to see anything else. It's so emotional. It's so emotionally driven. You're talking about an episode not for kids. Not like being like inappropriate, but just like being so far over the heads of just. I just feel like if kids like this is just written so much more intelligent than like a, a kid's cartoon level, yeah. um, and it, it you know I mean even even if you know he's in a dream, which you know it, it's not too surprising, it's still just it's so yeah it's not a point. No, it's it's so just impactful. Like you know the, the moment you see his parents, uh, the moment you see him see Batman and all of a sudden then that just mm-hmm. epic moment of him like you know knowing how to escape that thing and not accepting this no matter how nice it is just like that is Batman everything about this is the struggle that Batman it's like the to me this episode is like the ultimate struggle of Batman almost exactly yeah like like of anything like this is like his biggest struggle I think ever it's like the chance because it is the chance to live like you know everything he ever wanted him no he's be like no this isn't real i know what i have to do and it's almost that's how much he's devoted to like what he's set out to do being batman that he's willing to give up this chance to live you know this fake perfect life because he knows his actual duty of what he's committed to doing and i i just love this episode i love the mad hatter um i love that he's the one in it. i think it's perfect um and anyway that's just Fantastic episode. I love it. I love everything about it. Oh, and Bat, he, you know, he's not even Batman really at all in this episode. No. It's all him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, pretty much. 
Anyway, I don't know, your thoughts about it? I mean, I mean, yeah, what, what, what's left to be said? I mean, easily, maybe the best episode of the, of the whole series, and, yeah, one of the best Batman stories, period. But, I mean, like, again, like, not even remotely on the level of other children's cartoons or anything. I mean, this is a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, a drama, you know? This whole episode is a drama, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of TV shows have the whole dream episode or hallucination episode and it's kind of for a lot of other tv shows kind of seen as like a throwaway episode but for this one is again it's one of the best because it, i mean what was really kind of sad about the episode is that like the whole point isn't whether or not it's a dream is that when you find out it is a dream how wrong it is because you know you see his parents still alive you see him happy you see him married you see him have everything you want and you immediately go that, that that's not right it shouldn't be like that and it, that's kind of the sad part of Batman is like you immediately know this isn't supposed to be how it is like you, of course you want Batman Bruce Wayne to be happy to to live happily ever after but you like you know in your head you're just like now like it can't be like this and, and yeah and it this episode perfectly shows how much of a hero Batman is because again he just he sacrifices everything I mean literally himself his ever chance of being happy, getting what he wants, his own life, basically, of, you know, happiness and love in order to be Batman, in order to be Batman, because he knows he has to be. And, I mean, that, that can go for pretty much any superhero, but it especially really, you know, works for Batman, uh, particularly. And, yeah, it's one of the best episodes of any show, really, I think. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's I, remember, so I remember watching the episode for the first time, and it immediately... Stuff with dreams, I've always been really... Um, it's always really impressed me and stuff, and and it, mm-hmm. again it ties right on along with that Alice in Wonderland thing of you know this whole yeah. other world and stuff. It's not quite the, you know not yeah. quite the same, but I don't know just Realm. stuff that has scared me has always fascinated me, and so just that's part of it with uh, that whole dreams with it being the Mad Hatters everything. It's just always I've I've watched that episode more than any other episode yeah. for sure, um, and I could watch that episode every day for forever. It's Anyway, so that's uh, that's my uh, I hear my top five. Um, so uh, and then also I I ended up putting in my other other five other to fill out the top ten. And my other mothers are uh, my number six is Robin's Reckoning, parts one and two. That's what I was fighting uh-huh. for with that fifth spot was the Robin's Reckoning and the Two Face episode because both of those are I think are just fantastic. I, I love the Robin character so as a kid. That was yeah. I always loved Robin as oh, a little yeah. kid. So I love that episode. My next one, seven, was Trial, which is your fifth one. That's a great yeah. episode. My number eight was Almost Got Him, um, which is fantastic. Number nine was Heart of Ice, which is a classic episode. Fantastic. Mr. Freeze revitalized yeah. the character. Um, tragic. It's wonderful. It definitely deserves all the praise that it gets. Um, yeah. And then my, my top ten was Old Wounds, which is actually the oh, only yeah. one from the new animated series that I put in my top ten. Which is basically the story of how Batman and Robin's relationship fell apart and why Robin became Nightwing. Which, uh, again, yeah. I love the Robin character. I, I, so I love that one too. I think uh, that's a wonderful episode. That's my. That's the rest of my top ten. Loving that yeah. kid. Loving, I mean, Nightwing, but yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you did. You fill out a top ten. Did you end up doing that, or you just did the five? Uh, not officially. I think okay. I had like I think I mean I had a couple mentions like you said heart of ice um night of the demon i like a lot yeah that's um, a good one. 
Or, uh, uh, Night of Demon. Was that the one? You mean the one with Etrigan? No, without Rachel Ghoul. Demon's um, Quest. Italia, um, Demon's Quest? Demon, yeah, Demon's Quest. Sorry. Yeah, that's another it's always Night of. That's another two part. That's a good one, too. Yeah, that, that's another two-parter. That's a good one. Alright. Can you hear me now? Ah. Yeah, barely. Okay. Anyway, ah. so, you know, my top five are, you know, Perchance to Dream, Joker's Favor, Beware the Grey Ghost, The Man Who Killed Batman, and then uh, the Two-Face, the two Two-Face episodes. Yeah, mine's Nothing to Fear, Two-Face episodes, Almost Got In, I Am a Knight, and The Drop. But yeah, I mean, I, I could take all of yours, and they're, they're interwoven completely. Yeah, for sure. There's so many good episodes. We could easily do, like, a top 50. Um, oh, yeah. There's just, there's so many great episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I wrote down others. Like, I wrote uh, from, like, I wrote down Demon's Quest. Uh, I wrote down... Um, the, obviously, I already talked about the first, the first Mad Hatter, Mad as a Hatter. Um, other ones from the new animated series I wrote down, like Mad Love, is great. You know, Legends of the Dark Knight, oh. where they show the different variations of Batman, is great. Um, yeah. Sins of the Father, the first Tim Drake oh, story, yeah. which is the Jason Todd backstory, but with a younger kid called Tim Drake, which they say on purpose. They oh. purposely mix the two Robins in the same character, which is fine. They do a good job. It fits. Anyway, so yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's a great show. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Definitely, I think, one of the best shows ever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. We uh, have Easily. another two-hour-long episode, so, you know, that's... But, I mean, we talked about ten episodes, so, <sighs> I mean, there's no way... There was no way to make anything shorter yeah. than that. Especially when, like, I can recite the entire episodes. I feel like my explanations are, like... 45 minutes and then yours are like 20 yeah like, which I, that's kind of why because I mean I could do the same thing but yeah, yeah that's probably smart but oh well that's alright anyway but uh yeah that, that's it for um uh, the Uncaped Crusaders review uh I do apologize it was a little spotty connection a few of those yeah, times yeah quality um but I don't know what happened hopefully it'll be better next time you know it's the internet it's not much we can really do about it um, we're working on it yeah yeah technical difficulties Exactly, but uh, anyway, so uh, I don't know what we'll do for our next ep- for our episode next week. I haven't really thought of an idea. Yet. We'll come up with something awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I'm Mark. I'm Ian, and we'll see you guys next week.